that brings us to Spider-Woman number 13. Has a cover by Dave Cockrum and Bob McLeod, written by Mark Grunewald, penciled by Carmine Infantino, inked by Al Jordan, colored by Ben Sean, lettered by John Costanza, and edited by Roger Stern. Uh, Magnus fucks off to Las Vegas to do magic. Uh, Jerry's like, well, now's as good a time as any to tell you I'm going back to S.H.I.E.L.D. And, uh, so Jessica's just like, okay, well, I might as well try to make a life for myself. But she can't, because no one likes her. Everyone either doesn't like her or wants to fuck her. And so she's just like, well, what's a girl to do? She finds out about this Hatros Institute for Emotional Research. So she goes there to try and find a solution to all of this uh one once she gets there and explains what's going on the shadowy uh head of the institute expresses an interest in her she gets a job as a receptionist while she is working as a receptionist she has a run-in with the shroud uh they have a a misunderstanding that leads to ye old heroes fighting heroes uh she knocks him out and then it and then like oh look you're surrounded by cultists from the cult of kali hooray shroud so. uh sporting a brand new power where he can generate darkness as well uh, right which is at least something to make him better than legally distinct batman uh, well yeah i mean better with a grain of salt uh, or a truck. Uh, it's just so goddamn emo. It's just like... Yeah, and they try to like play that off by making him this... Uh, in While he's the Shroud, even, he's this very debonair kind of uh, swashbuckler kind of uh, personality. And nah, not working. It makes it weird, actually. Yeah. It makes it really kind of creepy. When you're well, this dude once, who lurks in the shadows and then is like, hey, babe. It's just so, <laughs> what? Well, and for a long time, that's not how I was reading his lines. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's this weird stuff going on. And then later on in this run, mm-hmm. I realize, oh, he's supposed to be being, like, kind of smooth. Whereas before it was just like fucking all over the place (laughs) but but yeah it's it is it's a very it's a very emo ability where it's just like everywhere i go it just gets so dark and i'm an artist and like nobody understands what it's like to be blinded by cultists (laughs) and and it's just like well you're right about one thing (laughs) okay so yeah it is the it it really actually must be hard for uh, no one to understand what it's like to be blinded by cultists. But the problem here is you expect them to understand what it's like to be blinded by cultists. Also, well, you it's... walked into the cult, my dude. <laughs> like, it's not well, yeah. It's not really the cult's fault that you didn't get all the information before proceeding with the... Like, okay, so you're telling me that during the whole time you were there, no one else got blinded by the kiss of darkness or whatever it was, the kiss of Kali. 
And uh, you, they just were like, hey, guess what? It's time for the kiss of Kali. Okay, cool. Let's just go do that. No more questions? Like, <laughs> I have no questions about what that is. Like, Wander in, see the brand, and go, huh. Well, I hope that's going on my back, if it's going on me at all. And uh, well, yeah, why that's... are you coming near my face? Oh my god, quit holding my arms. What? That is that is very much a, a situation where it's like, some questions wouldn't have hurt. The, the thing about it is, like, it's really weird to have this pseudo-Batman who literally cannot, like, because part of what part of what makes Batman Batman is the Bruce Wayne persona. The millionaire or billionaire playboy who's secretly like a creature of the night. Yes. And it, whereas the Shroud is a creature of the night who just can't ever be anything else because the minute he t- the minute you see him without his his costume you're just like oh you're the shroud and it's like what no i'm not and you're like yeah you are cuz you've got a fucking brand over your face in the same shape as what he has on his mask and he's just like no it's purely coincidental this was an industrial accident oh fuck you <laughs> what yeah no no, we're not. Nobody's buying that. <laughs> the, it literally says "copyright cult of Kali" oh, yeah. in the, down here by by this arm. Oh shit! It uh, does. So, <laughs> no, I, I got gotcha. you. Ah, <laughs> uh, so yeah. Anyway, so Spider Woman number fourteen. This is exciting because we have a cover by Bill Sinkevich, uh and Tom Palmer. I love. Bill Sienkiewicz. If you're not familiar with him, go check out his work. He's fucking awesome. Cool. Um, uh, like, yeah, did a lot of stuff on New Mutants back in the day. He's got a very, very distinctive style. Um, mm-hmm. What is it? Electra Assassin. He did stuff like that. Like, he's, uh, he's awesome. He's awesome. Anyway. Uh, and then the book is lettered by Diana Albers. Uh, Spider-Woman. I, uh, well, no, actually do the rundown real quick. <clears throat> okay. Spider-Woman and the Shroud deal with the cult members at the Hatros Institute. Uh, but by the time Jessica is able to call the police, they're all gone. So she goes about her shit and meets a woman named Lindsay McCabe in, uh in in counter therapy that is not put off by her smell and she's like that's weird um but she goes and shakes down some thugs to try and find a lead on the cult of Kali and strikes out so she goes home takes a shower and when she gets out of the shower the shroud is just chilling in her apartment Meanwhile, Jerry is assigned to the case of two missing S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, along with this agent named Laura Brown. Uh, clearly, they're going to... I mean, they're they're moving this in the direction of Laura and Jerry are going to be a thing. Yeah. And that's fine. That, Good. That's, Fuck you, Jerry. Exactly. Actually, I was about to say, I meant to say it last issue. I enjoy... We get a couple of things like this where the book 
where the books go, okay, wait, let's just this. Like, whatever this is. Like, the story with Man-Thing, it's fairly, we're just gonna straightforward monster of the week, except the monster is our main character. Um, right. Or And with this, it's as though they heard me bitching about it for two weeks, three weeks, whenever we talked about this book before, where it was like, just let her have her book, and they immediately jettison that wizard, and they immediately give Jerry something else to fucking do, where now, throughout the course of mostly last issue, uh, last issue, here, here's an idea, last issue, Jessica Drew had to figure out her shit, or at least start, which was good, and this issue, Spider-Woman has to, like, figure out how she does her shit, too. On her yeah. own, without these outside fuckers being tormenting her, right? What right. is she like when she just gets to be the hero or the person? And that's better, right? Like, Jerry fucking off and being kind of a prick is fine because she's figuring out who she is and is like, eh, Jerry's, Jerry's okay, but I guess I don't need to... I don't need to put my end-all be-all onto, of who I am onto Jerry. And once I start doing that, how much do I really like Jerry? Well, Jerry was introduced too quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, every book, every book is like, we have to have a love interest. Mm -hmm. But the whole premise of Spider-Woman is, she doesn't know who the fuck she is. Mm -hmm. And it's way too soon. Like, she, leave, she leaves... <laughs> She leaves Wondagore for the first time, and suddenly she's just with this dude. And you're like, no, no, this is way too quick. Well, it's way too quick so. on a couple of levels. She leaves Wondagore, is immediately ensnared by and working for Hydra. She breaks free from Hydra after learning the truth of During death. which she's with this dude. Yeah, during who which... Who is manipulating her. Mm-hmm. And then... Breaks free, figures out that that was all a lie, and that nobody of the, none of them care about her or what she's doing. So she leaves, goes with Fury, does a cup of coffee with Shield, figures out no, I don't want anything to do with that, and fucks on off with this fucking wizard that comes out of nowhere. And okay, fine. And then we retcon her backstory, so that's gotta be, you know, all of this happens so fast that to have this also shoehorned love interest that nobody likes is it's just way too much and i i like the fact that this or i like that this story says okay pump the fucking brakes like let's yeah. give her some goddamn space it's what i wish miss marvel would do and yeah. uh oops so <laughs> I'm glad that we're doing that this week. And she gets to do superhero things, and she's trying to keep her shit, like, on the DL, but, like, even to the point that, like, she's trying to keep it so that nobody knows Spider-Woman Spider is even in L.A. Like, she doesn't want that level of scenery. Um, which is interesting from a where this character go, Like, where Jessica Drew ends up becoming, like, a super spy, the um, the F Nick Fury sort of surrogate, or not surrogate, uh, 
she becomes a super spy as well, right? And that's mm-hmm. cool. And the fact that she's starting from a place of, I don't know who I am. I don't even want people to know I'm here. I'll do the thing, but it's only because I need to know... I need information so I can start building a fucking personality off of that. Um, yeah. And it's good. It That's good for the character. Yeah. Am I... Am I insane? Am I reading too much into this? No, I mean, Jessica Drew, Jessica Drew is like Shang-Chi in that she looks like a fully grown adult, but she's not. Yeah. She's, she's a blank slate Mm -hmm. uh, in a lot of ways. And so while, while it makes sense that she would go around imprinting on everyone around her, uh, by the same token, like, no, I want her to. I want her to figure her shit out, mm-hmm. so she can be a complete human being. Because if she continues with this Jerry shit, she would have just wound up being an extension of Jerry. She's not. She's not a person yet. Yeah, and then the um, whole Jerry situation where he's an asshole. I forgot about that. That's why I don't like Jerry. Is because. Jerry doesn't like it when she saves him. Yeah. And makes a big fucking deal about his goddamn masculinity being injured when she when she's the one that saves them from whatever, cultists or witches or whoever. Um, yeah. And it's like that's A, that's just an unhealthy fucking relationship. Don't don't put up with that. But B, um, well, here here's what? the thing. What? Here's the thing. If you don't like if you want to be the bro, if you want to be the dude, yeah. Don't date a superhero. Like right. don't don't you live in a world where there's like a ton of people with like superpowers. Don't date someone who's who's a superhero. Honestly, get your ass to therapy and get over your shit, but more to the point don't date someone who's a superhero. Don't date someone with powers because they're constantly going to be saving your ass. Well, I but mean, also... Think about it this way. If, you, if you're if you the one in a relationship who can't stand it if, um, if your partner is higher profile, more successful, makes more money than you, don't date right. celebrities, right? Like, right. that's what we're talking about. If That's the kind of parallel here, is yeah. you... You can't date Charlize Theron if you're going to have to be the rock in your mind, right? Like, because yeah. you're not the rock. She's Charlize Theron, and she's more successful and makes more money than you. Get over it. You're with Charlize Theron. Like, but, uh, but also, like, that doesn't mean go inflict yourself on some woman. Yeah, who's not Charlize Theron? Go to therapy, get over your shit. Yeah, and learn how to be an active partner in a partnership mm-hmm. instead of being like, "Well, I've got to be the breadwinner, and I've got to be the guy, and I've got to fuck you, fuck you." You know, for a short period of time after my girlfriend got first promoted when we moved to. St. Louis when she moved 
something happened. No, when we moved back to Kansas City. And she was like, I think I make more money than you now. And I was like, okay. She's like, is that okay? And I'm like, what? Like, it showed my sort of privilege isn't right, but like where my headspace is at versus the kinds of things that she has to consider all the time just because she's a woman that I didn't even think about. And she was like, is this going to change it anything for you? And I'm like, Oh God, you actually had to consider that. Right. Not that you didn't trust me, but like, this was a worry for you. And I was like, no, you're, you're fine. I don't give a shit. Um, I get to live in this awesome house. What the fuck? (laughs) Um, I got no complaints. Uh, as long as it's okay with you. And she's like, yeah, no, it's fine. I'm like, okay, cool. Then we're good. Yeah. Um, but like, just everybody chill. Just everybody chill. Well, it's, it's the kind of thing of like, you know, I've, there have been, there have been occasions where, because, you know, I've, I've been raised in a society where, the men do certain things mm-hmm. and the women do certain things. Mm-hmm. And even though I've rejected that, that's still, that programming is still in my head. Right. And so being a, st- starting to be a stay at home dad, I had to actively reject those Feelings. notions. I had to, I had to take those things and recontextualize them and say, you know, like when it, when it was, when it was, you know, because I started staying home with Moira because we were having a really tough time mm-hmm. with, uh, with, uh, we had so many, so many daycares that like they weren't taking care of her or we had one shut down because the husband was getting high off his ass all the goddamn time on like meth. And it's just like, oh no, we're not doing that. <laughs> and it ate up so much of it. It ate up so much money that my entire income, yeah, was, was going just toward childcare. Um, childcare in case he made more money than I did. So, you know, I, I stayed home with Moira, and there was that voice in the back of my head that, that, you know, that specter of toxic masculinity that's Mm -hmm. just like yeah well a man provides for his family and i'm like no a man does what his family needs right and what my family needs is for me to stay home with my dog well and like what you're saying is is recontextualizing that what that means is if a man provides for his family right okay motherfucker this is how i do that um and you get behind me, Satan. Uh, right? Like that's right. Well, and that, and that's how it is. And it's, and it's, it takes work to deprogram yourself of those ideas that are foisted upon you Mm -hmm. by the world in which we live. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, we've spent a while talking about this and whatever. Uh, boo, Jerry, Fuck you, Jerry. Jerry, you suck. Like, I'm uh, glad, Jerry. Jerry, what you need to do is, uh, clearly, you like the chase more than you enjoy the relationship. 
You've got Correct. a partner that hates you because you're Jerry. Like, I don't know why she doesn't like him. Fucking I don't re- Jerry. I, I don't even know fucking... I don't remember why she doesn't like like him. But, like, she takes an immediate, like, ugh, I gotta be with Jerry. Fuck. Uh, Jerry. And I'm like, but, you know, they're clearly gonna be a thing that, you know, takes Jerry out of the equation. Yeah, it's re- it's really frustrating because you you can tell that the dislike here is... Like, if this were their book, this would be the initial, like, oh, I don't like you. Oh, no. Yeah, it's... Oh, I want to kiss your face. (laughs) Yeah, it's eight-year-olds in the schoolyard. (laughs) And, like, that really blows because, like, she should dislike Jerry. Jerry's an asshole. I don't want her to be like, oh, well, maybe I should kiss Jerry. No, fuck Jerry. No. Anyway, all right. Uh, Spider Woman number fifteen has a cover by Bill Sinkevich and Bob McCloud, and is lettered by Joe Rosen. Uh, Spider Woman and the Shroud get acquainted by breaking into a, into Jerry's shield base to find information. <laughs> While that's going on, Jerry and Laura uh, investigate the Hatros uh, Institute and wind up being captured by the Cult of Cali. Uh, but the sacrifice is interrupted by Spider-Woman and the Shroud. The cultists are captured, but the, their leader gets away and is revealed to be Necra, um, who has killed and replaced Adrian Hatros. Uh, so, yeah. Um... So they're doing this thing throughout this where... She and the Shroud are like, she's like starting to think maybe I'm into this guy. And I'm just like, Jessica, no, you, you're fine. He's kind of a weird guy. Like, you don't need to be anywhere near him either. Like, just. Well, yeah. <laughs> and we talk about her imprinting on people. Like, she's trying to build a life oh, that right. isn't, isn't tied around her being Spider-Woman and like she's she's like hmm maybe I'm interested in the guy who can only ever be one thing and it's and just like I was Jessica. gonna say the thing the thing is like okay so with um Shang-Chi trying to rebuild his life um and you made the the corollary between the two right where right um Jessica's is complicated further by the fact that everybody hates her or really likes her right and she feels really bad about that because she doesn't understand it's i it's either i think it might be the next issue yeah it's the last issue this week i hate having to explain it in that way because it makes it sound like she's a mary sue and she's uh, not she's she's in the, like it's it's a source of conflict that is beyond her control right there's a there's a specific like the idea of a Mary Sue is everybody either loves them or hates them because they're so amazingly fucking wonderful. And that's not the case here. No, like everybody wants to fuck her or fight her because she gives off these pheromones. Right. But she hates it. And like, well, but she doesn't and even I understand. realize that I'm just making it sounds like I'm making more of a case for her being a Mary Sue, but she's not. No, she's not. I'm, I'm saying that 
she's complicated because she it is in a Mary Sue because she does want to understand it's an outside influence clearly well mm-hmm. she thinks she doesn't know what it is it feels like an outside influence she gets once she gets it confirmed she's actually and she's actually like actively working to figure this thing out right right she she is taking steps like she accidentally gets involved with a cult during those steps but that's not the the good thing is the taking the steps um right and i i like that um she happens to do some spider womaning while this is going on but that's only because but like she's still trying to figure this out and what she can do about it um so that she can have a more what she thinks is so, so she can because she has to get through that first before she can even attempt normalcy because right. everybody is fucking turned off by her the first uh the first therapy session that she was in the group uh therapy thing where she told her story and everybody had been so nice to the first few people she told her story and everyone just dismisses her and yeah they're all just like Pleh. You suck. You're a maybe you're just creepy and weird, and people are. And it's like, okay. Um, also, I don't know. Uh, apropos of nothing, I her hair gets better the over the course of this story, as Jessica yeah. drew. Yeah. Um, because she had this weird big bob thing that I did not like. Uh, yeah was also off-putting moving on uh spider woman number 16 has a cover by bill sinkevich and joe rubenstein and is lettered by john costanza the hatros institute brings in a specialist who determines that jessica's problems with other people are the result of her naturally just giving off pheromones that activate uh, either the fuck or fight <laughs> centers of people's brains. Um, and so we actually have an answer. And she's just like, oh, thank God, what do I do about it? And he's like, I don't know, but now we know what it is. We can start working toward a, a uh, solution. Uh, that night she gets invited to the home of Adrian Hatros for a party, but she it turns out she's the only one there and she's attacked by Necra. Um, in the course of things, we find out that Necra, Necra has only ever been capable of feeling hate, except for that time that she thought she loved Mandrill. Uh... And when she saw Jessica Drew, she felt an affinity toward her. So she's like, what the fuck is going on? Having now uh, narrowed down what the issue is, she she's found a, a um, workaround. So she pops a pill and she's like, haha, now I can kill you. And uh, so they fight. And uh, it's a cool fight. It's pretty all, uh, you know, all over the place. Uh, like it's, they rip the shit out of this house. Well, and each Um, other. That's the thing I like about this fight is that once it's all said and done and she pushes through and perseveres and, um, beats the ever living crap out of Necra, uh, 
which is the only way you stop Necra, right? Because she's right. powered by... She's a mutant who's powered by her own fucking hatred. Um, and that's also the only thing she can feel. So she gets... She's... Which girl? Same. Um, and uh, she... So she subdues Necra, change, cl- calls the cops, changes back into her party dress and waits for them. But there's clearly been like consequences because she got the shit kicked out of her too like we end this with jerry coming over and being like hey what's with the shiner and she's like i had to beat the ever-living hell out of a woman until she quit fighting me and it's i had to beat the ever-living hell out of my boss (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) and he's like well okay uh like what you did with the place um but jerry's done Right. That's, I, like, that's... I like the idea that in this context it makes it sound like he's referring to himself in the third person and it's just like look I know it's a bad time you've clearly been through hell but Jerry's done Jerry <laughs> feels like Jerry feels like you and Jerry have really been drifting apart and uh, Jerry has other things going on you clearly have other things going on so Jerry feels like Maybe it would just be best if we put a period at the end of this for now. Jerry still cares about you, but just not in the same way that Jerry did. That is horrible. (laughs) Jerry sucks so much. Jerry is such an asshole. Anyway. um, Um, I like, okay, so like closing it out. Uh, this is again one of those things that I think I ended up having more fun as we talked about it, this story arc, than I did while I was reading it. Uh, the Necro thing kind of comes out of nowhere, but whatever, it's fine. And uh, the fight at the end, I like because it feels heavy. Like you get, yeah. you get a feeling of the at, at the end of this that. They really are just slugging the shit out of each other and breaking yeah. as much of the house as they possibly can. And it feels weighty. And, it, like, it has consequences, too. So, good. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm excited that we've got some Bill Sienkiewicz in here. Um, the, the covers that he did for these issues, they're not, they're not to the point where if you if you had Bilson Kevich do them now sure it would be a radically different story that's they're understandable. good covers yeah they're good covers um i especially like the the cover of number 16 has necra in the foreground waving a column around and there's a lamp on the floor uh that's shining this yellow light that's illuminating spider woman up on in the corner of this wall. And a lot about the framing of it is really good. Um, and it's got, it's got nice motion because there's like Necra's Cape drawing you up through Mm -hmm. the cover and things like that. Um, so even, even at this point, he's clearly, a good artist yeah Uh, but and it's understandable to me that these aren't because i'm i just googled to get familiar with 
who he is and it's like oh yeah i know this guy um yeah and it's it's not but that's understand it's not what he can do or what he wants to do but that's understandable because it's it's the 70s like marvel well right the, the 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 house still had like a fairly strict style guide especially with the art well right and it's just it's an exciting moment because it's just like yeah he's here now like there's this artist i really like and he's shown up you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for the first time and i'm like fuck yeah let's do it so all right um so that brings us to the storyline that's going to round out the week uh which begins with doctor strange number 38 which has a cover by Bob Hall and Terry Austin and is written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Gene Colan, inked by Dan Green, colored by Bob Sharon, lettered by Tom Orzakowski, and edited by Joe Duffy and Al Milgram. Uh, we get a brief wrap-up of the, the Black Knight stuff, uh, wherein he contacts the soul of the previous Black Knight, and the guy's like, yeah, no, Dane's fine, he's just living in the past everything's fine he's on it it's under control he's good and and like this is a thing that just happened off panel so whatever uh but Clea's just like look you're you've been blowing me off like you're going through some shit like i'm not just your disciple i'm the woman you ostensibly love please let me in and he's like you're right and she's like Let's go out and have a good time. And he's like, okay. So they go out for the evening, but they get drawn into the death of a, of this guy at the hands of these indigenous demons in human form. And Strange battles them and is able to banish them, at least temporarily. Uh, in point of fact, they don't show up again for a while. Like... I looked it up, and the next time they show up is way down the line when Storm's powers have been taken away, and she's, like, with Naze, uh off doing stuff. And that's when they show back up again. So it's a while. Um, while that's going on, Wong, go, Wong gets a message to go visit a, an old friend, uh, and it's a trap, and he gets his ass beat. Uh, lastly, Strange and Clea arrive home to find that, uh, Stephen's old friend, Cardinal Alfeo Spinoza, has arrived looking for help. So, yeah. Um, it's an okay story. The fight's kind of meh. Um, and, I don't know, I wasn't feeling it. The, uh... The best part is at the beginning when Clea stands up for herself. Because, like, he had been, like you say, he was kind of interrogating the universe to try and figure out where, what had happened to Dane. Finds out Dane's fine. And is like, well, I guess I'm still just going to sit here interrogating the universe. And uh, she kind of marches in and is like, she marches in, dispels his spell that he's doing to, you know, watch. So he falls his ass on the floor and she's like, look. We need to talk about this. What is... This is what I need. And... I like that he says yes, 
first. I don't like that he immediately drops all that all that as fast as he possibly can. Um, there is no resistance on his part for getting pulled back into whatever bullshit, like some deep contemplative like mystery that will take him away from her. And like he doesn't talk to her about it at all. I, I, yeah, Clea, you're better than this. <laughs> Yeah, he he really he really gives her like the bare minimum of time. Yeah. He he and then and then asshole of assholes, even when they go out to the club, the he runs into this other woman who's their na- who's their neighbor, I guess, and immediately gives all gives all of his attention to her, which pisses off Clea more. And it's like Yeah, right. girl, you know this is he this is him. Like this is him. Um, yeah. You're trying. He's saying he's saying the right things, but he keeps doing this shit. So, well, and that, and that's the thing. It's like at a certain point you have to stop taking. I'm sorry because, like, there there is no effort. There is no actual effort on his part. He says, "I'm sorry." And he gives her attention in the moment, but mm-hmm. then he goes right back to, hmm, mysteries of the universe. Which, yeah, you're Sorcerer Supreme, but also, like, be Sorcerer Supreme, mm-hmm. or be a dude in a relationship. Like, you you clearly can't do both. Yeah, there is a universe um, in which you can do both, but it involves a lot more communication than you are willing, than you are clearly able to have, right? right. Like, if you tell her, honey, I'm going to compartmentalize myself into all of my attention is now being Sorcerer Supreme, I just want to let you know, like, just give her that. She might, yeah. it would feel less shitty. You don't even give her that. Um, right. All right, so Man Thing number two has a cover by Bob Wachak, written by Michael Flesher, penciled by Jim Mooney, inked by Bob Wachak, colored by Carl Gafford, lettered by Tom Orzakowski, and edited by, my, edited by Mark Gruenwald. Two scientists are in the Florida swamp testing a device, because that's apparently the place to do it. Uh, when Man-Thing stumbles across them, they're like, shit, shoot it! (laughs) And so they do, and it teleports Man-Thing to the Himalayas, where he has a run-in with this completely cliched love triangle. Where Russell and Elaine are married, but Roger loves Elaine, and he's constantly being an annoying sex pest. And she's like, no! But he's like, well, if your piece of shit husband weren't around. And so Russell falls off a cliff and she, he's like, yes, now I can fuck you. And she's like, no, we've got to find him. And he's like, God damn it. No, we don't. And then Russell <laughs> manages to climb his ass back out of the chasm only for Roger to shoot him and try to blame man thing because Roger's a piece of shit. So even Man though thinks... she try he tries to blame Man Thing to Elaine 
when Elaine was standing right there. Like, he, Elaine was two feet back and being like, don't shoot him. And she's like, it was man thing. No! <laughs> Whatever. Uh, but in the course of things, Elaine and man thing are buried in an avalanche. Man thing in all of this feels really incidental. Like, oh, yeah. we're, we're, we're mainly dealing with the love triangle. And it's just, I don't fucking care. No, like I, I fell asleep so many times during this two these two issues because I do no. And it's what I said earlier. This is monster of the week storytelling, where the main character is the monster, traveling from story to story that is only he is only the incidental part of. Right? He's a man. Thing is like a an npc in that he just he just kind of shows up and he's like i'm just here to advance your story bro i have no story of my own other than i'm a muck creature that burns things (laughs) and that's fine um i i think it's a it's an interesting take um it's more twilight zoney and that's if you want to do it that way you can Except this is like such a story I've already read 400,000 times that yep. I don't care, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone in this sucks except for maybe Russell, the guy who fell off a cliff. Um, Elaine is a non-actor, like a non-entity. Her, She is a lure at best for Man-Thing. Well, she, she, what's really annoying is she... Russell um Russell dies and she's just basically like okay I guess Roger's it now and like latches onto him and it's just like he just murdered your husband woman like yeah it's fucking it's gross Ugh. it's the it's this idea that like she's she's she doesn't know what she actually wants and it's like she it comes across as Elaine is only rejecting Roger because Russell's kind of like the alpha bro and like if it weren't for that she'd just be like I don't know who I should be with man they both want me uh whereas like if you're in love with Russell cool be in love with Russell right but like Russell dies and she's just like well, I need a dick. So, yeah. And the only pathetic. the only other thing that she does story-wise to me, like I say, she's a she is an active lure for man thing because yeah. he she's constantly terrified of what's going on as she should be because you're in the fucking Himalayas. It's a death trap. Um and I did forget to mention they're looking for the abominable snowman. Right. Yeah. And at one point, because Roger why not? <laughs> and Roger is an idiot. Roger and Russell are both idiots and are like, well, that's gotta be the abominable snowman talking about man thing. And I'm like, guys, you, you're apparently experts on this. Otherwise you wouldn't have spent the money to get to the Himalayas. That's a muck creature. Like I'm not, I'm not here to, you know, tell you your science, but uh, that is not, that is abominable, but not a snowman. 
Yeah, I don't I don't really know how you look at it, the green thing and you're just like that must have been what all those people were talking about. But mm-hmm. whatever. That is, that is the that is the one thing about this love triangle that's vaguely original is that they're all just cryptid hunters. And like <laughs> I I would actually watch. I would actually maybe watch like Finding Bigfoot, if like a bunch of the people on the show were like trying to fuck. You know, like it would be they're they're much... looking for Bigfoot, but they're also kind of looking for a lay. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but I think uh, I th- I think you could. Yeah, I might watch that. I don't know. This is not. I'm not here for this. No, but, uh, these these people suck. <laughs> these people do not need. A no, if any show. one of them had any ounce of fucking charisma, I would be uh, maybe a little more interested. But all of these yeah. people are terrible. Yeah, um, they are. So, whatever. Uh, it doesn't get better. Yeah, uh, Man Thing number three has a cover by Bob Sharon and letter and is lettered by Diana Albers. Uh, Elaine and Manthing are found by a tribe of albino monkey men led by an insane Norwegian. The Norwegian decides they're a threat that needs to be destroyed. The shaman of the monkey men decides that Manthing is sent by their gods as a harbinger of the destruction of their people and really, really wants to touch his... Uh, his trunk. And that's not a euphemism. Yeah. I don't think. Like, they have they have an elephant god. And Mastodon. Ma- well, Mastodon. But I mean, so, you know, trunk. Yeah. And Man-Thing has, like, the unibrow with the, with yeah. the trunk. Yeah. And the, the shaman... The shaman snowman is just like, oh, yeah, these are the same. And he's just like, can I touch it? Which, oof. Uh, But the Norwegian and the shaman are both correct in that Man-Thing does wind up in destroying them because Roger and a couple of goons come looking for him uh, because they're like, well, even if he's a corpse, I can still make a lot of money just showing off the body. So they show up with guns and it becomes a whole fight. And then like Roger dies, which that's good. Fuck Roger. But the, the albino monkey men get crushed by an avalanche. And so does their crazy Norwegian chief. And I don't know. It's, it's fucking weird. (laughs) Um, but Elaine and Manthing escape by hanging on to the the landing gear of the plane that the goons take off in. Because the goons are just like, well, he's dead. Bye. And they take off. So Manthing grabs Elaine and like holds on to the bottom of the plane. Blah. I have, oh, I, have I have nothing. Yeah, because it's, it's just a, so stupid. It's a weird goddamn issue. Yeah. Doctor Strange, number 39, 
has a cover by Al Milgram and is written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Gene Colan, inked by Dan Green, colored by Ben Sean, lettered by Tom Orzakowski, and edited by Joe Duffy and Al Milgram. So, Cardinal, Cardinal, um, fuck. Cardinal Spinoza comes to Strange and he's like, Baron Mordo robbed the Vatican archives. And Strange is like, shit and he goes upstairs and it turns out that the mordo that's been uh, the catatonic mordo that's been stinking up his guest room is actually a fake Mm -hmm. so clea stays behind to try and track down wong while strange heads to france with spinoza to try and stop mordo uh clea on her little adventure uh is chased by goons but also by ethereal demon people that only she can see who in the past have worked for Dormammu and and been subcontracted to Mordo. So, whatever. She runs into Sarah, the neighbor, and she's like, hey, come with me. And they go, and she uses Sarah to, like, take her place so that she can get out of there without the ethereal demon dude seeing her. Strange, meanwhile goes to France, walks into this house, and is confronted by all his baggage, all of his, all of the people who died because he was a greedy fuck and stuff like that. In the process, he has this vision of being forced to perform surgery, but he can't do it, and the surgery is on this woman he used to love named Madeleine St. Germain. Uh, he manages to snap out of it in time to discover that, in fact... Uh, that was all a cover for, had he operated, he'd have killed Madeline St. Germain. And all of these cultists are just like, ah, fuck, he's awake. Um, so he saves Madeline. Alfeo is dead. Yeah. Alfeo Spinoza is gone. The Catholic Church needs a new cardinal. Whatever. Um, but Madeline tells Stephen that Lord Fife is working for Mordo, and that Mordo intends to open the Seven Gates of Chaos. If you don't remember Lord Fife, he's that ineffectual fuckhead who was hanging around the Sanctum Sanctorum for a while, uh, just being like, oh, yes, whoa, terribly nice. Oh, oh my, that's, that's that's a sticky wicked, isn't it? Well, I'm going... I'm going to go take a giant shit in your guest bathroom (laughs) and uh, stuff like that. Like he's just, he's pointless and uh, whatever. Who cares? He's He's a guy who's rich enough to buy himself into sorcerer society. Essentially he's there to dabble, but he's mostly a tourist. Yeah. He's, he's that, he's that rich eccentric. Who's just like, where the occult is a hobby and so right. he's just like yes yeah, quite nice i i made another 50,000 50,000 quid in the uh in the in the stock market so now i'm able to buy some new artifacts yeah but like he's a nobody who yeah. gives a shit so he's he would be a shitty he would be better as a shitty indiana jones villain i he's the kind of dude that like he was gonna get sucked in by something and if it wasn't 
the occult, it probably would have been cryptocurrency. <laughs> like, I thought you meant he was going to get sucked in by something like Shumagorath. <laughs> well, it's like, he's, he's a hobbyist, and so, like, he decided, oh yes, the, the, the... The gods of the Etruscans, instead of just like, let me bore you about Bitcoin for an hour. Like, why don't you go? God, if you're that fucking rich, build a space agency like everybody else. It's just like, yeah, (laughs) this is the guy that, you know, you're at a party and he's just like, no, it's so much better because it's decentralized, you see. Anyway, uh, Doctor Strange number 40. Uh is has a cover by Bob Layton, inked by Dan Green and Ricardo Villamonte, colored by Bob Sharon, and lettered by Mark Rogan. Strange confronts Fife, uh, and Fife's just like, you know, um, whatever, fuck you. And, like, jumps in a car and flees. Um, but then, like, Mordo makes him crash into the river and die. And so Strange tries to save him, dives down, discovers that his neck snapped on impact. So he's just like, okay, fuck you, I guess. And uh, Madeline helps pull him out of the river. Mordo resurrects Fife as Azrael to hunt Strange down. Uh, So they battle it out. And uh, it does not it's not going well for Strange because everything Azrael touches ages. And the problem is the problem here is that magic magic gets weaker with age. So his aging touch works even on spells, which sure. OK, that's a fun wrinkle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ends with this issue ends with. Uh, age or strange being rapidly aged by Azrael. Meanwhile, Clea manages to track Wong to a house in the Adirondack Mountains only to be attacked from behind and collapse into a heap at the bottom of the hill. Uh, yep. I don't, yeah. I have nothing for this again. It's just. Mordo, yeah, I guess it's just Mordo being Mordo, and it sort of irritates me. And it... the story is—it's too slow. Yeah, I don't know. I'm now laughing about the idea of, in a different world, Lord Fife just defending Elon Musk on Twitter. But <laughs> that's just because there's something broken in my brain. Sure. So whatever lord five crypto bro uh man thing number four has a cover by bob wachek written by chris claremont penciled by don perlin inked by bob wachek colored by ben sean lettered by john costanza and edited by denny o'neill uh strange is able to finally use his magic to banish azrael from earth and he and madeline uh, he manages to de-age himself, uh, but it kind of wipes out his powers for the time being. He's got to rest and recuperate. Uh, but they have to head to Citrusville, Florida, because Mordo's not going to wait. 
So they head there, uh, and Strange has a conversation with the local sheriff in which he puts a magical whammy on the guy. And the sheriff directs them to this kid, Jackson, who, if you are a longtime follower of the show, Jackson used to date Jennifer, Jennifer Kale, who appeared way back when um, and is a now a, uh, a, a sorceress in the... Um, who is an apprentice to that one mage, Dakim, Dakim, uh, from back when Howard the Duck first showed up? It's a whole fucking thing. We're not going to relitigate all of that. Whatever. It, I'm Just, reminded of the. Uh, this is very. This whole "Who is Jackson?" conversation is very. My girlfriend walks up behind me while I'm reading Man Thing and goes what the fuck is going on? And I sigh and go, uh, she's like, I don't, I don't have time for this, do I? And I'm like, no, no, you don't. And you won't yeah. care. You won't care. And it's fucking man thing. It's insane. And it's crazier than I remember. And she's like, okay, bye. <laughs> Pretty much. Don't have time uh, for that. <laughs> it is. <sighs> yeah. The, the whole um, the whole saga of all of this Jennifer Kale and blah 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 this is going back to like this is going back like a hundred episodes yeah is yeah. how long ago we covered this because I think like week 65 is the point at which we covered adventures into fear number 13 Mm -hmm. um so between week 65 and week 100 is when we would have covered all of this so if you want to know go listen to that i i don't know um but so jackson takes them out to the kale shanty i the thing that bugs me is just like every unless you live in the town of Citrusville, by which I mean literally on the main street, it seems like you are a swamp person. You live <laughs> in a shitty cabin out in the swamp. And it's just like, you know, like. I. I can't. I can't speak to Florida. I I've been to Florida, but like I've not I've not spent a lot of time in Florida. I find it hard to believe that there's that many that this this larger percentage of the population of Florida is made up of specifically swamp people. But whatever. So he takes them to the Kale homestead. Um and once there, Elaine bursts out of the door and she's like, ah, what the fuck's going on? Suddenly I'm in. I don't care because she and Man-Thing fell from the plane and then like they're suddenly in Florida and she's like, ah, 
I have no idea what's going on anymore. There were abominable snowmen and this muck creature and Roger killed a guy. <laughs> Roger husband, killed a guy. I think it was my husband. <laughs> and like, she's she's basically reduced to babbling hysteria, which I get it. Like, sure. a lot's happened. <laughs> it's been a rough day. <laughs> um, the last... The last 12 hours have kind of gone to shit for Elaine. <laughs> and so I don't blame her for being freaked out. But so Strange and Madeline go to go to be like, Oh my God, this random woman, woman dressed for the desert is in this swamp. But they are then attacked by Man-Thing, who's being controlled by Mordo. And Man-Thing swats Steven around and seemingly drowns him. Hooray! And that's where we leave it for this week. This story, this story is fucked up. Um, it's so all over the place, and it is just so much Mordo. Like, I don't. Mordo sucks. I don't like the Mordo plan. I, I don't know. Mainly because it's. I guess it's because it's Earth-based, maybe, from a Doctor Strange point of view. Like, to me, Doctor Strange is a lot more fun when he's out battling interdimensional demons or whatever, right? Right. Yeah. I I guess. I, you know, the whole thing with Madeline is interesting because... We do get a flashback to her and Steven's relationship, and it's kind of the standard Doctor Strange girlfriend situation up to... Because post... uh, Post um, Ancient One, the only relationship Strange has had has been Clea. Mm-hmm. And so every time we've seen a relationship Doctor Strange has had, whether it's in the movie or in this situation with Madeline or whomever, uh, invariably every relationship ends in you're too greedy a prick. I can't deal with you because you're a greedy prick. Stop being a greedy prick, greedy prick. And Steven's like, no. And they're like, okay, bye. Yeah. And that's what happens here. And I, and I like, I like Madeline because she is, she is, she's just like, nope. Yeah. He, He asks her to marry him. And she's like, no, you love money more than you'll ever love me. Yeah, she she sees straight through him, and yeah. call because she does love him, right? And she calls him out on it, and is like, because she asks or he asks her to marry her, and she says, "Oh no, honey, no, yeah, we can't, I can't do that." And he's like, "Wait a minute, what? Why? I thought we were having such a good time." And she's like, "Yeah, but I've also see what's happening. Do you do you not see that you're turning into a very greedy man who wants?" to possibly be an exploitative of the help that he can give 
to people that need it and she's like he's like i don't understand what you're talking about and she's like that's why i can't marry you and Mm -hmm. leaves and uh i like the part where post ancient one and post becoming sorcerer supreme now that he's got that perspective he looks back on that and goes yeah she was right i mean i literally had to get into a car crash and then nearly die several other times to learn who I really needed to be. And yeah, she was right. I was a prick. Um, I, I like that. And he still is. And he still is a prick, but to under a different guy. It's not greed. It's a different kind of greed. It isn't well, greed over it's, money. It's greed over attention, power, and... Uh, He's still hyper-focused on his career is the yeah, upshot. Sure. Yeah. I mean, his 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 career now is legitimately about helping people, mm-hmm. but it's still like he's it's a uh it's still a monomaniacal mm-hmm. obsession with pursuing that that gets in the way of everything else in his life. And you gotta find some balance, Stephen, baby. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Top five. Top five. The Watcher's Guide's top five. Top five. All right, top five. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna fucking do this whether you like it or not. Yeah. Speaking of toxic masculinity, um, number five from me. I don't know. Throw science at it. Uh, <laughs> which is that the two scientists in the uh, in the in the swamp at the beginning of uh, Man Thing number what is that two? Where a you're not supposed to be out here anyway. B you don't seem to even know what that gun's gonna do. And C just just ah shit. Throw science at it. Uh, just the knee jerk reaction. And that's also like, what? They need Florida. God damn it! Like because the, if there isn't magical shit going on in this uh, swamp, it's aliens or weird idiot scientists or like just chill your shit, Florida. I what I don't understand is like, I feel like if you are if you are any kind of decent scientist there are any number of places you could be testing your weird device in yeah where you have more control over the variables at play well these dudes are like let's go test it in the middle of a dank ass swamp well and And even the even his the 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 poor grad student that he's got with him is like are we sure we should be doing this professor aren't we supposed to be testing this in a controlled environment tomorrow and the scientist is like damn your controls it's just like no what the 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 academic community is too that's what it's supposed to be (laughs) you just just like i could do this in a lab (laughs) but i prefer to do it out here where where all of my sensitive equipment can get swampy. <laughs> There's nothing that could go wrong with that. Uh, number four. God, Jerry sucks. 
But it's only when you interrogate how much Jerry sucks that you find out how much he sucks. Um, yeah. Uh, number three is uh, the Viper Black Widow fight on top of a fucking helicarrier rotor because it's rad. And yeah. uh, that's that's all I needed. Um, it's team up. Don't You don't have to work so hard. Just be rad. Um, yeah. And then number two is the necrophyte i don't know what it says about me that two of my top five are women fighting each other probably nothing good uh the necrophyte but more for more of a serious reason not only is you're it becoming you're becoming so much of a stereotype max i guess like <laughs> yeah max coker no. stereotype <laughs> that's what they yeah, say yeah when i when i when i think of you i think dude bros stereotype yep. uh so the necrophyte is a little more has a little more serious than it's just rad because um it gives you the the fight itself like i said feels heavier and it gives you a much more clear to me what spider woman is capable of right because necro is not to be fucked around with it's like she's a heavy hitter and spider woman can take her out so that's cool um and but she also gets fucked up so she's capable of getting the shit kicked out of her in order to in this case survive but like it's it's interesting to well not interesting i guess but it's like neat to know that that's there if she needs it later for more heroing right um and then number one but only be is madeline seeing straight through strange in that flashback because it gives it's an opportunity for strange to realize that he's doing this all over again um that as an interesting character choice he immediately does not do like i think i kind of feel like maybe i'm being charitable when i say that that's an that's a character choice because it could just be shitty writing but uh they it i'm going to choose to see that he does this in perspective about his love life and how he was a greedy bastard that was never going to pay as much attention to his loved one or to his significant other as they needed and then it does not learn from that um to see any corollaries to what's going on in his life now um right what does that say about him well it says that he hasn't actually changed he's it's it's a much more altruistic version of what he was but he's still who he was right. so cool well uh my number five is uh the constant the constant referencing of the ring being gotten from john belushi <laughs> Because I just, I love the idea that somebody would read that, not knowing, and they're just going to see that and be like, what the fuck are you talking? Because usually, usually celebrity cameos come and go and they're whatever. Yeah. You know? Right. Like, we don't have, we don't have constant references to the time Daredevil hung out with Yuri Geller or anything (laughs) like that. Right. I like the idea that even though it's been nearly 10 issues or whatever we're still just like oh yeah 
Silver Samurai got a teleporting ring from John Belushi. And people have to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? I would love it if in the middle of the Claire, like deep Claremont run, like we get, you know, fucking 87, like the, the fucking 80s. Deep, 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 deep. And... Or maybe like 91, like with the issue, like when the X-Men and Uncanny split and Silver Samurai shows up in X-Men number five or whatever. And he teleports in and one of them has to go, where did you get that teleporting ring? And he explains with one line, no context. I got it from John Belushi. And then it's dropped. And you as a reader have to go, what? (laughs) Wait a minute. Yeah. I, and then you have to go to the fucking comic shop and be like, "What because the it's fuck not are on they?" Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, it's not in trades. No, they can't reprint it. Yeah, so you have to go find the actual issue. You have to go to the comic shop and you have to ask the person behind the counter. Hopefully, they're very nice, but they're probably not because this is comic shops. Have to say to them, "Where did?" Silver Samurai get this teleporting ring, and they're going to say, from John Belushi. And they're going to go, how and when did that happen? And he's going to say, hey, allow me to taint your mind. That would that would be me. I yeah. would be like, ah, please, follow me. And I would have a stack of copies of it that I would just give away like candy. I'd be like, here you go. Have your mind broken. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, I'm I going to pay for you. Pay for this for you. Because I would... I Will you just watch... Will you read it in front of me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, that is, that is... Oh, my God. Such a wonderful fucking thing. Can you honestly. imagine if they referenced it now? Like I I want I want Kurt Busick or yeah. somebody who like really does deep vi- dives into continuity. Like it doesn't have to be a thing. No. Like it doesn't it doesn't have to be just yeah, like a minor reference to the time Silver Samurai attacked the set <laughs> Of Saturday Night Live and got a teleporting ring from a coked out John Belushi. Like, just toss that in. I hope the Marvels that's going on right now, I hope that's in there. I hope Kurt Busick's like, fuck it. John Belushi. Anyway. Number four is uh, Crypto Bro 5. I feel like... (laughs) Here's the thing. It's not just crypto. Crypto is the or example of how much Lord Fife would exist would suck. He's a tech bro. If you were not in the occult, he is a tech bro VC asshole. Just waiting to happen. If he were if he were around today, it wouldn't be the occult. It would be that. Yeah. I, I feel like no matter what universe you're in, you do not invite Lord Fife to parties because he will be, ruin them. Whatever he got into, whether it's atheism, whether it's like uh, CrossFit, whether it's, you know, yeah. he will corner somebody at that party and it'll, and the next, all you, 
You'll be sitting there minding your own business. You'll be mingling with your guests. And from across the room, you'll be like, you'll just hear Lord Fife being like, you seem like a reasonable person. But the point is, the burden of proof is on Christians to prove that. And you're just like, oh, oh fuck, God. he's at it again. Fuck, who's he, like, who's he got? It doesn't matter. Oh, I'm never going to hear from Jill ever again. Fuck. Yeah, it, it'll be like, you know, he'll be <laughs> hanging out and it'll just be like, no, what you don't understand is that the cutie mark crusaders are out there trying to help other ponies find what it oh. is they're good at. And, and and that is a noble calling. And you'll just be like, God oh, damn it. Fuck it. Five. Mother... Why if did he I... hadn't invested in my business, he wouldn't <laughs> fucking be here. But I have to put up with his fanfic.net bullshit. Why am I... I'm never... Who's he got? Oh, God, that's Carol. I I really liked Carol. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, I just, I'm gonna have I... to explain this to Carol. Carol, please don't kill yourself to get out of the situation. <laughs> just... Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway. So, yeah, just the fucking worst. Uh, number, what am I on? Three? Three. Number three is uh, The Shroud, a.k.a. Maximilian Coleridge, just being incredibly credulous about everything that's going on in this cult. And I looked it up. He was there for seven years. Seven years! And... Uh, some point they were probably like yeah when you graduate the temple there's a whole ceremony and no point did he ever think to say what does that involve yeah like, you worship you worship a dark goddess ostensibly like you're not you're not walking in here like like it's amway and you're like surprised at the end when it's like <laughs> oh shit you mean it's a multi-level marketing scam like you it's, no, it's it's the cult of Kali on the like, tin. On the tin, it says "dark goddess," right? Yeah. So maybe there's some weird shit going on. Like you've been so, here yeah. the whole time, seven years, you idiot. Even if even if you're not allowed to witness the graduation ceremonies, mm -hmm. which would that that number one would tip me off. Yeah, I'd be like, "What's going on in there that you're not going to let me see?" Like. Also, where did what are you doing? <laughs> where but where did Jason go? He was yeah. here last week, and you then he graduated. Said Jerry, didn't you? I nearly did. And uh, Jason was here last week, and then he graduated, and now he's gone. And he's where did he go? What happened? He went through. He he received the kiss of Kali. Uh huh. What is that? What is <laughs> like, that though? Yeah. Uh, and and I like the fact that they brand his face. He goes, so not only is he incredibly credulous during all of this, and he's just like, yeah, man, let's fucking do it. Kiss Kali. Awesome. What's that mean? You want what? <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you going to do? It's very awesome. Let's do this. Okay. You got a brand. Where's that going? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> but like. You know, even even the fact that he was just like, yeah, fuck yeah, we're doing what now? Uh, the fact that they burn his face, he goes running out into the snow to put it out. Like, he's not, he's not 
fleeing. Yeah. He's just like, my face is on fire. Yeah. I'm trying to make it not hurt anymore. Uh-huh. And they're just like, well, guess you failed. Disappear. And it's just like, what, <laughs> what was that for? Like, <laughs> what was you? this for? Yeah. Uh. Like, I I like to imagine that the Shroud just just views the the scarification here as just like a misguided tram stamp. Like, oh, that was a mistake. Yeah. Do not join a cult. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, number two is Bill Sinkovich, because yay. Uh-huh. Number one is bye, Jerry. Fuck you. Fuck you, Jerry. So, yeah, uh, that's it for the, us this week. Join us next week. We'll be reading some more Doctor Strange and Man thing. And then <clears throat> we have a brief aside with Marvel 2 and 1 Annual. And then we've got the introduction of Carry On into uh, Spider-Man. So, yeah. Uh, in the meantime, rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Email us at watchersguide@gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us both individually and at watchersguidemu on Twitter. And visit our website at watchersguide.com where you can download episodes of the show, including this one, and see all of the reading lists going back to the very first episode. Have a marvelous week. Bye.